Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit us online at nwgospel.com forward slash citizens. Hey, everyone, I just need you, I just need y'all to say a huge, a huge hello to my wife. Say hello, Jordan. Say, we miss you, we miss you. Man, all right. Hey, sorry, I'll let you go, I love you. See you later. Oh, Micah, man. All right, shh, I'm on the phone. All right, bye. Yeah, my wife, I miss her. She's all the way at home down the street. Yeah. No, my wife's in Pennsylvania or in D.C. right now at her brother's wedding. And so, um, yo, check this out. I hope he's watching right now, this son of a gun. It's Christmas time. He's like, hey, everyone, I just proposed to my girlfriend. It was like, oh, my God. You know? She's like, okay, everyone, it's time to plan the wedding. And we're like, oh, my gosh. He's like, we have to put dates on the calendar. Should we do July 21st or July 28th? And I go, oh, man, I have camp the 28th. He goes, that settles it, the 21st. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, my brother-in-law literally planned his wedding so that I couldn't come. You missed the whole point of the story. He said the 21st or the 28th. I said, I have camp on the 20th. He goes, awesome, so we'll plan it on the 28th. I messed up the story. I know. So my wife is at her brother's wedding. And, um, but y'all are way more fun than a wedding anyway, right? You know what? Where's, uh, where's where, who, Matt and Danae, you're married. You're coming. We're going to perform a wedding for Matt and Danae on the beach Saturday. Just so I can get my wedding fixed. Is that cool? Dude, when I first, dude, when I first moved out here, we've been married for two months, and we had the most fun idea. We were walking around Portland, and my wife and I said, how fun would it be if we just started, like, fake proposing everywhere we went? Like, how much free stuff can I get if I'm, like, in a restaurant, and I, like, bust out the knee, I take her ring, and I hold it, and she screams, and the whole restaurant starts clapping? They have no idea we've been married for three months. Like, tuck that away. In the future, when you're married, do fake proposals. It's so much fun. Because everyone in the world wants to be part of a proposal. You know what I'm saying? And so they're going to go that day going, I witnessed the proposal in Red Lobster. <laughs> and you're sitting there eating your free cheddar biscuits like, joke's on them. All right? <laughs> so, hey, I'm super pumped for camp. Super excited. Um, I'm going to introduce you to our camp speaker tonight. So you guys have never met our camp speaker. Jake Gamble's our boy. He was at winter camp. We have a new dude who's coming to summer camp. So I'm going to introduce him in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story about a place called Syria. How many of you have heard of Syria? All right, cool. Wow, almost all of you. That's awesome. So um, back in 2011, back in 2011, Syria looked like this. You may need to click on, the, uh, on my computer so it gets, there you go, yeah. Syria, oh, we're on the wrong, we're on the wrong slide. <laughs> Syria looks like this. <laughs> Just escape it and uh, fake news. Uh, all the way to the top, all the way to the top. All the way to the top, boom, right there, yeah, yeah. Click number one there. I hit play. There we go. Syria looks like this. No, wait, that's summer camp, my bad. Syria looked like this. Serious story, serious story. 2011, the Syrian government 
is, trying, is being protested and there's a civil war and people are protesting in the streets for democracy and for, for um, you know, just government. And so the Syrian government doesn't take kindly to that. And so they start like gas bombs and firing on their own citizens and things get crazy. The entire state of Syria is in crisis. Civil war, it is not safe. They started doing this thing. They started to find out who the instigators were of this rebellion. They started to find out some of the key leaders, some of the key influencers who were causing this, this um, up, uprisal and just this discontent in the city. And they said, you know what? We're going to start kidnapping their children. And so there were certain families that stopped sending their kids to school because it was just a hot mess. And so one of those kids, his name was Sankar, Sankar Abdullah. And so at 12 years old, his parents make the decision to pull him out of school. And every sixth grader here is like, yes. But it's not good, actually. 12 years old, he gets pulled out of school. And they are just running for their lives. They're hiding. They don't go out in public anymore. It's just way too stressful to live in Syria. And so they have a, a relative who lives in Jordan, right? And so they flee the country. They leave everything they know. They leave their family. They leave the corner store that he's been going to ever since he was a little boy, all of his friends, his school. He goes to Jordan and he stays with an aunt. So his family, there's six of them, and they're packed into this one-bedroom little house outside of Amman, Jordan, and they begin the relocation process to become refugees, they apply to the United Nations and they say, we have been displaced. We are refugees from Syria. We, we need to go somewhere. And so it takes about two and a half months for the process to be complete. And they find a spot for them halfway across the world. And the place that he gets sent to is 25 minutes from where you are sitting right now. He got sent. Cody, help me out, bud. He got sent to Portland. Right? He's in Portland, Oregon right now as we speak. And his situation is actually not very rare. Okay? I have it here. Since 1980, more than 64,000 refugees have resettled in Oregon. 64,000 people displaced from their hometown and they moved to Portland. Keep it weird. Now I want you to imagine that you're Sankar for a little bit, okay? And you grew up every day to the warm, to the smell of warm, what is it called? Shawarma, right? Chris was in the Middle East, so he knows all the foods. That's all he knew when he was there, but he knows the foods. And so you woke up every day to the fresh smell of shawarma. You woke up every day, you walked outside your house, and there was a certain climate. There was a certain culture. People dressed a certain way. It smelled a certain way. And now you're in Portland. And you're like, that is not shawarma that I smell, buddy, buddy, Right? You're like, that is some fresh, premium, legalized cannabis. <laughs> Welcome to Portland. He's surrounded now. This dude came across the world, and he's surrounded by different religions. He's surrounded by different sights and sounds. He's surrounded now by people who are playing a bunch of weird games. Where he grew up, they would go outside, and they would kick the soccer ball through the dirt roads, and now there are people outside hiking mountains for fun and, and there are people on the river in these really long skinny boats and they're, and they're on a crew and they're just, it's just weird. He, goes to, he says, oh, soccer, I know soccer and he goes to the timbers and it's a stadium with 
people wearing really nice clothes and players who are treated like movie stars. And he realizes, I'm not at home anymore. People worship differently. They use different language. They use different words. They, they just look different. They act differently. He goes to school. He goes, finally, somewhere familiar. I can go back to school. He goes to school. Welcome to Portland. <laughs> right? People have different color hair and tats and piercings. And it's just this guy is obviously not in his hometown. He's not at home. He is learning how to still be a citizen of his homeland while being surrounded by people of a different homeland. He's learning, how do I still maintain my identity? How do I still be a Syrian, a citizen of of my homeland, of my kingdom, but I'm surrounded by people from another kingdom? Can you imagine the conflict? Can you imagine how difficult it would be to not know the language, to not share the values, to not share the hobbies, right? That is the dilemma of every refugee. And that's also the dilemma of every Christian. And that's what we're talking about this weekend at camp. You're kind of a refugee, Christian. You're surrounded by people from different different values. They worship different gods. They look different. They don't engage in the same activities as you. And you're saying, I know that I'm a citizen of a faraway land. I'm actually called a citizen of heaven. I know that I belong to a different kingdom. It's called the kingdom of God. But when I go to school every day, I'm surrounded by people who are not in the same kingdom as me. And Sam, it is so hard. How do I maintain my identity? Or Sam, how do I remain distinct? Distinct. So right now I want to introduce you to our camp speaker who's going to walk us through the book of 1 Peter. So everything that we do this weekend is coming out of the book of 1 Peter. The devos that you do, the sermons that you hear, the scriptures that you memorize. There's a new competition this year. All of you in your notebooks, there's a scripture memorization competition. So for those of you who are like, I'm not fast. I can't score any points for my teams. If you memorize one verse a day, you get 25 points for your team. Your whole cabin memorizes it. Boom! 25 times that many people in your cabin. It's math. And so coming right now, I want you to welcome our camp speaker, make some noise for my friend and yours, Ken Stoll. What's up, citizens of NGC? This is Ken Stoll's coming at you from, well, my house, because um, that's where I'm at right now. I'd love to be with you this evening. Uh, unfortunately, my brother, my younger brother, who is now in the military is coming back in town for literally like a day um, and I need to go see him before he gets shipped off to Italy for like three years. So I'm um, sorry. I love you guys, but unfortunately he takes the cake tonight. But I want to introduce myself again. My name is Kenan. A um, little shout out to Jacob and Kyle and Haley and Derek Simpson, those guys. Um, I'm actually their brother-in-law. Super cool um, that we get to just share this um, as far as them being part of this youth group and me getting to speak at this camp this year. So I'll be your camp speaker this year. Uh, a few things just to kind of get to know me. I mean, don't worry. We're going to get to know each other very well over the weekend because I'm so excited about camp. Oh, I'm so excited. Anyway, um, just like I said, a little bit about me. Um, I am 27 years old. I have three little babies, uh, Jeremiah, Hudson, and Eliana. They're super cute and adorable. Unfortunately, 
they won't be with us this weekend, but I'll bring pictures, don't worry. Um, I, uh, let's see, second graduating class from Union High School, so that's pretty cool, so local local kid. Um, loves sports, music, movies, I'm a giant nerd about some of this kind of stuff, just with like Avengers, superheroes, comic books. I legitimately read comic books digitally, but hey, I read comic books, so if y'all got questions, come my way. Um, I also love talking about Jesus. I love having those kinds of conversations. Those are my favorite conversations to have, just talking about Jesus, answering your questions, and just, it's going to be so much fun, you guys. So I'm looking forward uh, to this weekend and camp. We're really going to be wrestling with the tension of, do you feel like you don't belong? Do you feel like as a Christian that you're like, I just, this doesn't seem to be working here. I don't know what the deal is. Uh, we're going to be talking through that, and we're going to maybe be getting to the heart of is that okay? Is it okay if we don't feel at home? Is it okay if there's some tension? Is that is that all right? So we're going to discuss that. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm also excited to throw down in some like volleyball games and different things. I'm a big sports guy, so I'm looking forward to that too. So um, get your game faces on, ready for camp, super excited. And uh, Sam, back to you, buddy. Give it up for Kenan. All right, so hey, Kenan is a good dude. He's a phenomenal speaker, super funny, loves the Bible. And so you guys are gonna hear some challenging truths this weekend, okay? You're gonna be challenged. Bring your big boy pants. Bring your big girl pants. We're gonna talk about real stuff. We're gonna talk about deep things in life. We're going to talk about things that really matter. And I know a lot of people in our country, they look at your generation and they go, just, just sit there and be quiet. Right? You don't matter. No, no, no. You matter. Like, you're having real thoughts. I know that. And we're going to talk about those things. You're going to have the kind of conversations that our friend that I'm going to introduce you to tonight had a couple of thousand years ago with Jesus. And so I'm going to invite you to open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. And you're going to meet a guy from a story that I am calling Off Limits. Off Limits. So you guys have your Bibles open. Let me hear it. Whoop, whoop. Bibles. Mark. Chapter 10, hey, if you don't own a Bible, raise your hand. If you need a Bible before we leave for camp, tell us, let us know. We will get you a Bible before we go to camp. You need one. So everybody needs their Bible open. You need a Bible to go to camp? To go to camp? All right, we'll do that. Um, you want to have your Bible open on your laps? You want to go verse by verse and follow along. Are you guys ready? Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 17. If you're ready, say, oh yeah. oh yeah. Here we go. Let's look at this story called Off Limits. Verse 17. And as he was setting out on his journey, this is Jesus, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? All right. Let me introduce you to the dude. Okay, are you reading your Bible digitally from the app right now? Super awesome. Be an audio listener, love it. So here's a dude, right? And so this dude, just like you, has some real questions in life. This is a guy, much like yourselves, who he is thinking about serious issues. Like many of you, he's not content to ignore the bigger things in life. This dude is not talking about TikTok and Twitter. He's asking some deep questions specifically what must I do to inherit eternal life? This is deep stuff. I know a lot of you guys are coming this weekend with deep things. You have big questions. 
but I want you to see that he has two things here, okay? Two things that he has with this question. Number one, it says this, that he knelt before him and he asked this question. So the first thing that he has here is a right posture, okay? How many people know a know-it-all? Yep. You're like, I kind of know. You're like, I know all the know-it-alls. You're a know-it-all. You know what know-it-alls are like, right? And they have questions, but really, they just want to have an opportunity to tell other people what they know. This guy is not a know-it-all. He comes to Jesus, he has a genuine question, and then he kneels down before him and asks his question. He has the right posture here. What's your posture this weekend? You have deep questions. Are you willing to ask them? Are you willing to listen to the answers? Are you willing to have these conversations he has the right posture. He's hungry to learn. He's hungry to know the truth. He has a learner's posture, a growth mindset. And so number one, he has the right posture. But even more importantly, look what it says here. He says, good teacher. He didn't say, yo, ma, I got a question. He wasn't Googling, right? What must I do to inherit internal life? He's talking to the good teacher. So he brings his right posture to the right person. He's talking to Jesus. This is the one that we come to with the most real questions. He's the one we talk to about life's real questions, things that have real and deep meaning. This weekend, I'm calling you guys to come with the right posture. Some of you have a little bit of know-it-all in you, just a little bit, right? We all have a little know-it-all in us. He's like literally inside of, no, no, right? He's lips in me. No, we all sometimes exhibit a little know-it-all. But this weekend, we're all going to come and we're going to metaphorically kneel down before the good teacher and we're going to ask our questions. And he's going to answer them. We're going to ask our questions. And I'm telling you, student, that Jesus has a lot to say to you this weekend. You need to be expecting because some of you, you have yet to fully realize, you have yet to fully understand that something will be said to you this weekend. You're thinking about the games. You're thinking about the food. You're thinking about the chance on the last night. I want you, as you go to bed tonight, I want you to realize that Jesus has something to say to you. I challenge every dude in my cabin, every camp, I always say, hey, what's your question for God this weekend? Can I ask you the question? What's your question? What are the things that you're hoping to talk to the good teacher about? Have the right posture. Talk to the right person. Be hungry to go deep. Be willing to come to Jesus. Because just like our friend found out, oh man, Jesus has a lot to say to you. So let's look what he says to our friend here. Next scene. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And I love that pause there. He's like, he's challenging him. We say good, and we think of good like pennies. If there's a penny on the ground, I'm not like, oh my gosh, I need it. It's just a penny. It's cheap. It's a dime a dozen or a penny a dozen, right? But good in this day, good wasn't like a little pennies. Good was like a gold coin. You wouldn't use that term lightly. So Jesus is saying, whoa, you're using a big term here. Do you understand that term? Okay. So he challenges him there. And he says, you know the commandments. Do not... Do not commit, do not, do not bear, do not honor your father and, very good. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. 
And so Jesus answers him. He goes, I love your question. I love your posture. You, you want to know how to gain eternal life? You want to know some of the answers to life's biggest questions? You want to know what it looks like to truly live for God? Well, you know, right? Murder, that's a big one. Thou shall not kill. You know, you, you have a, you're married. You want to not commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie and defraud. Honor your parents. And as Jesus, and Jesus is such a legend, right? Because he's saying these things and he's calling out the dude's heart because as he's talking, look what the guy's face starts to do. Jesus is like, well, you know, murder, steal. And the guy's face starts to do one of these looks, right? Everybody, eyes up here? He starts to go. <laughs> right? Like full-blown beaming. Because as he's talking, as Jesus is going through the checklist, the know-it-all inside of him starts to emerge. The little Pharisee inside of him starts to emerge, and he goes, oh, he's talking about the things I'm good at, right? He's talking about things that are okay in my life. He's talking about things that I can check off my spiritualist, and I go, ooh, Jesus, I am good at those things. He says to him here, all these I have kept from my youth. Everything that Jesus has mentioned, I'm okay. So he stands up a little bit straighter, and he feels pretty good. And don't you wish the story ended there? If you're our homeboy, you're saying, Jesus, put a period in it. Let's call it a day. Thank you for your sermon. If Jesus was only going to talk to you guys about the things that are okay, if your cabin time was only going to cover the things that you're great at, if the preacher on the camp nights was only going to preach about the things that you got on lock, that would be awesome. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Instead, he lovingly keeps going, and he looks at the little smug expression on his face. He looks at the... Jesus goes, let me tell you something. He continues. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Jesus looks at the smug face and he goes, yes, you have done well on these things. Yes, you're right. You have not committed murder. Yes, you're right. You have not committed adultery. But one thing you lack. There is one thing in your heart that you have not surrendered to the lordship of Christ. And I'm going to put my finger on that one thing. I'm calling you out dude, on that one thing, the thing that you have not declared me king over. And for our friend here, it was his money. It was his money. You see, Jesus was telling this man, stop following your money, start following me. Stop following your money, start following me. Oof. Big oof. Little mad. Big mad. Big sad. I should just start preaching words and memes and shorthand, right? 
My sermons would be way shorter, right? Big yay. Did Jesus have to keep talking? Did Jesus have to keep the sermon going? Could Jesus not have just said, hey, you're doing great at all those things. You got it. Did Jesus have to put his finger, his divine, sovereign, glowing, radiant finger on the one thing in my heart? Did he have to call this dude out on his love for money? What do you guys think? You know why he had to? He says, go sell all that you have and give to the poor. Why would he tell him that? Because he loved him. He loved him. Jesus loves us too much to not confront our hearts. Jesus loves us. He does the most loving thing that he can. He calls him out. And I know some of you guys don't believe us, but the most loving thing that can happen to you this weekend is the Lord putting his finger on something in your heart and saying, I want that to be mine. And so for you, maybe it is money. Maybe you're just like this dude who loved money and he followed money and everything he did was for money. But you know what your thing is? I can tell all of you guys right now just by looking at you what your thing is. You want to do it? I'm telling, like literally, I can look at you right now and I can tell you that if Jesus were to walk into this room and go, put his finger, his divine radiant finger on one thing in your heart, I can tell you what it is. Can I prove it to you? I'm going to tell you right now what it is. Ready? That. The very thing you're thinking of right now that made you sweat to say, please, prophet Sam, don't call me out. I don't need to because Jesus is the great prophet. You know what it is that he wants to call you out on? That. The thing that you hope doesn't come up this weekend. The thing that you hope doesn't come up around the campfire. The thing that you're saying, dear God, please don't confront me this weekend. I'll take care of that when I get older. I'll take care of that at the end of the summer. But I'm just not ready to let go of that. I'm not ready to go sell all and follow you yet. And Jesus looks at you and he loves you. He loves you too much to let you go away. He loves you too much to not look at you in the face and tell you the truth, to say, daughter, son, sell that, follow me. And so my question for you this weekend is, how will you respond when Jesus confronts your heart? If you want to (laughs) know, you guys are going to hate me, but if you want to know If you want to know how you'll respond, look at the way you respond to your parents when they confront your heart. I'm really teachable when God confronts my heart. Really? Because when he confronted you through your ma, you were like, nah. I'm really teachable. Jesus, you can confront anything. Really? Because when your dad asked to talk to you, you were the most stubborn, pig-headed dude I've ever seen in my life. And I'm not telling you that to diss you. I'm telling you that to take an honest look in the mirror and ask yourself, how will you respond this weekend when Jesus confronts your heart? There's only two options. There are only two ways. You're like, well, actually, there's a third way. Because I've been, shut it! Two ways! Two ways that you can respond to when Jesus confronts your heart this weekend. Number one, you can respond the way that our homie did here. Look at him in verse 22. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful. For he had great possessions. Jesus said, follow me. And he said, off limits. 
Jesus said, sell your money. And he said, that is off limits. Jesus said, come here. And he went there. Jesus said, follow me. And he followed money. Jesus said, come to me and find joy. And he went away sorrowful. And so Jesus is going to confront you. It's not an if, it's a when. It's a when it comes up in that cabin time. It's a when it comes up around the fire. It's a when the speaker says it from the front. It's a when you hear it in prayer. When you hear that, how will you respond? You can either, number one, you can say, off limits, Jesus. This is mine. Don't touch this. This is mine. I'm not ready for you to be the king over this. I'm the king over this. This is mine. Off limits. And you can respond the way that he did. Or you could respond the other way. And instead of saying off limits, you could say, it's all yours. I'm going to teach you a little dance. It's not the Macarena. It's not the Nene. It's much better. Right? So if you're like this, you can either say off limits. Right? Show me, right? You're like, Sam, the music's not playing. I can't do it. Touche, right? Do it anyway. Off limits, it's all yours. Oh, my gosh. It looks like the same motion I make when I'm singing. Whoa! We should do this while we sing. And we could be like, it's all yours, right? Let's start that. Max, Cody, we'll start doing that. It's a new thing, raising your hands during musical worship. You heard it here first, folks. What will you do? How will you respond when Jesus confronts your heart? Come on up, Max. And this is the question I want you to ask. We're going to sing a song here. And I want you to take an honest look in the mirror. I want you to look in the mirror of Scripture where you see this, this young guy who went away sorrowful because he said it's off limits. Will you say off limits? Or will you say it's all yours? Much better. Let me pray for you guys, and then we're going to sing. Father, I thank you that you are planning a phenomenal weekend for us, God. Lord, I thank you that you have already been preparing students. You have already been preparing leaders because you are going to speak to us. And Father, even before we get on the bus, before we even arrive at the camp, we are saying to you in faith, it is all yours. Nothing is off limits, God. Speak to us on whatever you want to. Put your finger on any area of our heart or our life that needs to be confronted, God. Because at the end of the day, we want nothing to be higher of a priority than you. We want nothing to sit on the throne of our heart higher than you. You are king. You are Lord. And there is not an ounce of our lives that you do not cry, mine. And so, Lord, speak to us. We will respond as best as we can by your grace. Father, I pray for the leaders in this room who are going to be uh, agents that you use to confront us on sin, to confront us on unordered priorities. Father, use them in powerful ways, God. Pray that you would forge phenomenal relationships between leaders and students and between students that we can take from camp. I pray for those who are coming who don't know anybody yet. Father, those who have said, I actually don't have many friends yet. Father, bring them friends. Bring them great relationships so that they can learn to live for Jesus together. Lord, we love you so much, God. And we say it's all yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing.